I'm Daniel. And I'm Robert. And this is Grizzly Kiki. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as a meet and greet with James Charles. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95 and they offer great customer service. I should know. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. Who doesn't love that? (laughs) Choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way you can try on all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. We don't need people seeing things blurry. And Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm now considering a divorce. Hey! To get started, head over to WarbyPorkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Wait, wait, wait. Warby Porker? That's a very different website. I was projecting. Very different. I mean, I project in all directions. Give them them that link one more time. Oh, sorry. To get started, head over to WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Again, that's WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Don't Google Warby Porker. You'll regret it. Oh, we were in sync that time. Uh, Yeah, I was trying to fuck you up, kind of like... Yeah, I heard you. Wait, what's the... Is it an SNL skit where they do... Um, oh yeah, it's a, it's a thing where they're trying to sing a song about the same thing and Mm -hmm. it sort of takes a couple turns. It's one of the, um, the old, not old, it's a Kristen Wiig skit. Um, yeah, I was trying to do that to you. Did you hear that mistake? That's Vanessa Bayer. I know. I just, I've been thinking about that. Or as you, as you like to call her, Amanda Bayer. I don't know why. (laughs) I just, I have a complete block. Porque eres una vieja. How are you? I'm old, apparently. (laughs) Um, I'm okay. I just came off of two really intense, um, weeks of work. I would say work of weeks. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little down actually, which is one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, in our catch up segment is that like, um, I had to really, um, take charge the past two weeks at work. Like the three of us that were basically left because two of my, um, coworkers lost loved ones over the past two weeks so um it was both a chance to like kind of knock it out of the park in terms of you know um collaborating with my other two coworkers and and making things work but also um it became a bit of a challenge because um i had to figure out a way to support uh the coworkers that had lost people Mm -hmm. but also um kind of keep my own feelings out of it right you know um because since my mom passed away, I don't I don't do well when people around me lose people. Okay, and and so I I I'm very it, it, it's like my um my sim not my sympathy like mode turns off, but it's like I freeze, mm. and so I don't know what to say, and so I'm I've become the person that like I'd rather 
say very little or nothing in terms of condolences unless, you know, they come to me. And, and so I kind of mediated that properly, I think. Um, but, you know, we had a 100-piece show to take down and then put up a new one and host a, uh, and two openings by ourselves. So it... it um, it uh, it really taught me how to uh, support my other coworkers when they're in crisis, and right. I feel like I learned a lot over the past two weeks. Don't well. you sort of feel like having a death in the family yourself that it 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 helps you develop better um, communication skills with people when they when they have a death in the family? Yes, or when they have a uh, when they have the death of a loved one. Yeah, and I mean that's the reason I say very little to. I mean, not necessarily nothing, but it's you know I try and avoid the "Are you okay?" or "How are you doing?" types of questions because right. you know not not to be I guess trite or whatever, but it's like how the hell do you think I'm doing? Right, you know. So I just say you know, what can I do for you? Or, you know, do you want tea? Do you want coffee if they come into the office? You know, just kind of like being a little more attentive to yeah. them outside of just, you know, like this is what we need to do during the day. Um, and so I found that that goes a, a, a lot further in terms of creating a comfortable environment for them when they do come back to work as opposed to, you know, cause are you okay? Are you know, how are you doing? Because I don't know, I find that patronizing and or not useful. So I don't like to use that with other people. So that that's some a big thing I learned um, uh, from the experience of my mom passing away, because I much preferred it when people would just be considerate, you know, and and, right. and like a gesture that I wasn't expecting or something that that made a small task that seemed insurmountable because I was in crisis a little easier. Hmm. So how do you feel about, so I had a friend recently um, who, who recently lost her dad and um, we don't talk very often, but when I found out that she'd lost her dad, I, I mm-hmm. sent her a text and I said, um, you know, I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. If you need anything, I'm here for you. And I, you know, I was thinking about that this week with, with you having to, um, you know, having all of these stories about death, mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you I feel like you and your coworkers were sharing a lot about about, you know, death and yeah, and, absolutely. and survival, you know, because mm-hmm. there's there's a there's an element there that I guess you don't really think about until you're in it. Um, and I was just wondering what you think of the um, the the concept of of sending someone a message that's like, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about this. If you need anything, I'm here for you. And it's sort of leaving it up to the person who is grieving to give their, um, to, to let you know if they need something. What, what I think is that, a, you mean, in terms of like, is like, it a, I want to know what you think. I want to know what the listeners think well, in, in terms of leaving it in the hands of the person who's grieving. I think that that is... In in terms of that, like, you know, when you say, if you need anything, I'm here. Yeah. Um, I think it's very important to leave that up to them. Okay. Un- like. Because I'm thinking about it now and it, it sort of seems like I am sitting back, crossing my fingers, hoping that you don't ask me for anything, which is not see, what it and, is. And, exactly. So that's the thing, because I feel like certain people, like, that is a very common thing to say it's kind of like lip service right you know, when people pass away so i feel like if you if you are going to say you know if you need anything i'm here then you should 
no whereas to uh, to elaborate a little bit because i feel like i'm i'm leaving a big gray area so the friend i'm talking about has a daughter and my immediate thought was if you need someone to babysit but Mm -hmm. i've never babysat her daughter yeah so i don't think if that were me i would not trust this random friend that was texting (laughs) me and be like hey need a babysitter Mm. you know yeah i think that if you are going to offer that up you need to just understand within yourself what you're willing to help with do you know what i mean so like right if it's if it's something like they, if they call answer the phone and just talk to them or say you know yeah i can do that or i can i i think it's um it like with a lot of things don't don't make a hollow promise you right. know so if if you know like if you don't want to promise something then you can say you know i'm i'm thinking of you um you know and leave it at that yeah you know but if you are like like um you know, with one of our coworkers who's who's kind of um kind of on, on my level in terms of the hierarchy, I was like, you know, Robert, I I said, you know, we could help him with anything. Um, you know, would you be able to drive us to the wake? You know, right. like like something like that, which I mean isn't necessarily helping for him, but it would help us get there. Yeah, to to see him and support him however we can. And I mean, we ended up doing that with another one of my coworkers who drove, but um. Mm-hmm. You know, like in terms of the other person who who lost somebody, you know, we asked what we could do. And she said, you know what, just do just do your job. Like, just, you know, just um, keep the gallery running while I'm not there. And, you know, the like the famous quote at work is like, just make sure the gallery doesn't burn down. Right. You know, and so and we found in, in interacting with both of these people that those approaches that we chose to 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 take as a group you know collectively as a group yeah actually were the right ones yeah because we got the the feedback from our respective uh people that um you know that that doing what we did and how we did it was like the the biggest comfort because they didn't have to worry right about anything but dealing with their families and so um it's actually the first time i've i've dealt with co-workers losing somebody right Oddly enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it, ta- it taught me to put my own feelings about these things in the back seat. Yeah. Which was, which was nice for yeah. once because I could actually draw upon my own experiences and feelings. Right. To support them. So, um, yeah, that was my, that was my, my point sort of with, um, with saying that, uh, you don't really develop, uh, better communication skills when when it comes to someone losing a loved one until you've gone through it yourself because exactly. then you understand how shitty it feels for people to constantly be asking you how are you doing and to sort of be treating you very and, and like you're in a fragile state and mm-hmm. and you know that I, I feel like uh people tend toward being like doting like doting on the person who's grieving and mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of people who are grieving don't want that they just yeah. don't want that no a, a lot of people don't and i think it just really um depends on just being able to like read their you know take their temperature per se yeah and see how they're feeling because some people may want that some people may want you to just like make phone calls or send emails or just like sit there and listen yeah you know my best friend when my mom passed away basically just listened to me cry on the phone every every other night for six months Mm -hmm. that was it yeah that's all i needed right you know because i didn't i could just take care of things i didn't need anybody to do anything Mm -hmm. but listen yeah so right yeah um well i i uh i had a similar (laughs) a similar moment of not crisis exactly we thought it was crisis so we went to the the emergency room friday night this weekend um 
or Saturday morning. It was Saturday morning. It was like 3 a.m. on Saturday morning, basically. So I ha- I started having chest pains at like 2 a.m. And um, I, d- I don't know. We still don't know what caused it because I'm fine. Like we went, they ran a million tests and I'm fine. Uh, but it persisted. It was just like, it was just there. It was like a burning feeling in my chest. And so... I hate going to the doctor, which I talked about on last week's episode. And I feel like this experience of going to the emergency room with chest pains that I guess ended up just being from like either gas or spicy food or I we don't even know. But of course, I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, And, uh, you know, it just I think it taught me that um, I need to I need to go to the doctor like I fucking said on the last episode. I need to you know, I need to put my money where my mouth is and go to the fucking doctor. Um, but, um, the whole experience of getting there was one thing because like I have been telling, so Daniel uses Uber and I don't like cabs. So if I can avoid them, I will. I always do. But if I'm, if I'm going to take a cab, I choose the company. I mean, I'm not really doing it for this, but I feel better about it. I'm choosing a company that, um, that actually gives you the option to tip the driver. That's number one. And number two, I'm choosing a company that, I don't know, is like a little bit more ethical. That could be wrong, but whatever. So I will use, I I go between Lyft and Juno. I pretty much, I do the, the, the price comparison because usually Lyft is like $2 cheaper if you want to share a car in comparison to Juno. Uh, so I've, but I've never had a good experience in Uber ever, ever, ever in my life. And this, this ride this we took bad. to the to the fucking emergency room was a was the like I was in the back seat of the car trying to breathe calmly. My arm was starting to go numb, and I was just like, I I need to relax. And this man is telling me the story of how he ended up in the emergency room himself, and they ended up giving him a stint. And stent. a stent, a stent, a stent, a stent. I like a stent. Do you know what um, a stent is? It's a, it's like a, um, it's, it's like an annex for the artery, right? It's like, that's essentially well, what mean, it is. It's, it's like a, um, uh, or not like, an annex, like, it's like a, a connection. It's like a retaining wall. Like okay. they, they put this little mesh thing in your artery and it stretches it out just in case people don't know. Oh yeah. It basically, I it's was, like I a, was one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of look like Chinese finger traps. Okay. I, I don't know if that's problematic, but you know, those little things the yep they are problematic okay uh but (laughs) so the guy starts telling me the story about when he had to get a stent and uh he is like he's driving on a highway and then also like showing me his thumb and daniel in the middle of it is just like can you just drive because this is very stressful i'm sorry but can you just drive and like I had never been more grateful because I had the voice of my mother in my head being like, don't be mean to him. Let him tell him your story. This is distracting. But I really just wanted him to shut up and drive. And he was also going, he took a wrong turn at one point. I was like, I'm going to die in this car. I'm going to die in this stinky Uber because it smelled. Well, also, I, I, you know, when I get in, I always check to make sure that they have the address that I'm going to, you know, like check the license plate, whatever. Right. So I go, we're going to Mount Sinai emergency room. And he's like, oh, yeah, like my father is there. My father-in-law's there. Oh, he's, you know, he's a goner. And I'm like, oh, my God. Can you like from the beginning, I was like looking at Robert and thinking to myself, okay, so is this a good distraction? Like, you know, this guy's talking about his own life. And then, you know, it was that moment, like you said, when he stuck his finger up. I'm like, oh, my God, stop. Like, just 
stop. Like, I wouldn't, you know, when my coworkers told me about their people passing away, I wasn't like, oh, yeah? Well, like, you know, this and this happened to me. Like, I was devastated. You don't do that. Right. Who does that? I just want you to get me somewhere. Yeah. It was just, anyway. It felt like we were in a, um, like a, uh, um, like Super Mario Brothers, we have to jump over the um, the plumbing, whatever, the, the tubes. Because mm-hmm. then there was the guard at the hospital that we're like trying to rush in. Oh, my God. And he hollers at us as we're like halfway down the hallway. Hey, are you coming to see a doctor? And we go, yeah. And we think, you know, we're thinking like we have to like sign in or something. He's like, here's this pamphlet about measles. I Like I wanted to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, the intake staff was very, they were distracting in a good way. So. Oh, my God. Joanne at Mount Sinai Hospital Emergency Room in Astoria. You remembered her name? Yes, I do. Because she not only had a full beat at 4.30 in the morning, she was so kind and gentle with the intake and like was really obviously doing stuff to like distract us, you know, from from whatever was going on. Yeah. It was just so pleasant to have like a person like that being like, you know, the forward facing presence that you encounter when you go to the emergency room absolutely um especially with all of they had a um they had uh signs up that said that they respect everyone's pronouns mm-hmm. they had a rainbow flag in the the window leading into the actual emergency room mm-hmm. um the joanne suggested a drag brunch for us to check yeah. out in astoria Which like I'm it was just kind like of excited about to try <laughs> and apparently the owner of of what is it fresco's tortilla one yeah. businessman of the year in astoria where his work um anyway joanne you were amazing and just anyway i doubt she listens but anyway i probably doesn't and her coworker, whose name i don't again i don't remember i, I didn't remember anybody's names but um, i just remember hers because great. she was locking eyes with me specifically mm-hmm. and i could tell that she, that like she saw that i was like losing my shit yeah you know um you were losing your shit and you were also wearing an alaska shirt so she was like mm. yeah well alaska bleeding you know bleeding out of her mouth and crying because she won <laughs> but it's just like I, I just grabbed the first thing that was in the drawer um but i just i love that when we got home you were like this is the shirt i wore to the emergency room i'm like who cares like who cares i didn't want to be you know like I also didn't realize that like four or five a.m. is like the witching hour in terms of like all the people who have um, fucked themselves up because they were drunk. Oh, that was fascinating. I have never been more. I've never felt more naive in my life. Uh, but I was basically like bookended by drunk people mm-hmm. who fell when they were drunk, and I was in disbelief. I was like, yeah. "Drunk people come to the hospital for what?" I mean, when they get picked up off of the floor, right? I mean, I love that one was a regular. Yeah. And he's like, how do I do this? And the nurse was like, because you were drunk. Like, mm. It was, I've never seen an episode of Scrubs, but I've, I could imagine one. It would have been this experience. Because they were openly talking about this. They were like, we got to wake this guy up. He's got to get out of here. Yeah. And then they wake him up. He go, He's like stumbles into the bathroom and he's like, oh, I just saw my face. Uh, oh, like he had no idea. He had mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. no idea. And it's like. They, and they were talking about it openly. One of the nurses was so over him. She was like, you know how this goes. Your stuff's going to be coming down in a few minutes. Like, mm-hmm. just get dressed. You know, like, I don't know what else. She was just so over him. And it was so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It, it made the experience go by a little faster. I also started watching basketball while I was waiting for the doctors to come in, which I forgot how excited. I used to be a basketball fan when I was like, you know, 10. 
Um, and I forgot how exciting basketball can be. So, um, but um, let's take a break. Yeah. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to introduce a, new, a little new segment. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. We're back, and it's time for a new segment. Let's cue that music. News that makes you go, hmm. News that makes you go, hmm. News that makes you go, hmm, 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 hmm. So, news that makes you go, hmm. I'm not a singer. (laughs) I'm just saying that now. (laughs) I have dead voice. Like, no... No, uh, what do you call it? See, I, don't, I don't even know what rhythm. So, there we go. It's not it's, part of my vocabulary. It's less about rhythm. It's about making your voice sound bright. And I've told you, I'm like, bright, sound bright. You know, like like a, like a sun that's shining. Ah, like shining sun. Well, you're right. But shine a little brighter. You're the center I mean? of your solar system. Um, so <laughs> we have a couple of stories that we thought were funny. And, um, and we want to share them with you. So I... Okay, hold on. Not necessarily funny, but they're Not just really like funny. But it's more like, girl, really? Yeah. Like you really you did this. Yeah. And anyway, so the the first story that uh, we found is comes from Hawaii, um, where a soldier who was training at the Schofield Barracks um, on Kilauea Island, I believe that was. Oh, oh no, sorry. Oh, the Big Island. I apologize. It's the Big Island. Decided to go visit um, Kilauea, the Kilauea volcano. Oh, there we go. At um, in the evening, you know, as as one does. And listen, I don't know what time is customary. To I, I don't visit know. A volcano. I don't know. The point is, <laughs> at around seven o'clock, he decided to go. You know, visit this volcano, and apparently the. <laughs> The view was not good enough. So he decided to climb over the protective railing, which is there for a reason. And, uh, you know, as as I'm sure is bound to happen, when you step over a protective railing, the ground went out from under him and he fell 70 feet into the uh, volcano uh, caldera or like the center of the volcano. The This person, this man, this young 32-year-old man. Who's a soldier. Who's a soldier. Exactly. This keep that in mind. This is who is training to protect our country. Now, I don't know how I feel about this. It makes me feel like we shouldn't, with this type of soldier of misfortune being <laughs> part of the uh, the military. I see what you did there. Why are we even? Why are we even? Why are we even saying anything to trans people enlisting? <coughs> right? Oh. Yeah, that's my whole. Ooh. I mean, I there got a little frog been, in my throat. You know, I, I, I feel like accidents <laughs> like this are not uncommon in places like this. I'm sure it happens, you know, at the Grand Canyon. There, you know, we've all heard the stories about people who lean too far over the railings at zoos. But it's like, but they don't have military style training to both exactly. uh, to to learn how. To, well, I don't know if he's part of the military. It just said he was a soldier. But I would oh. assume that part of his training is uh, to protect him, himself and those around him. And so to make a mistake like that, 
because that is a mistake. Um, it's just it goes against what he should be learning. Well, and not only that, it's uh, if somebody had not seen because somebody saw him fall. That's how they were able to, you know, to find him. Otherwise, you know, he would have been there for more than three hours, you know, if, if you know, he was even able to be rescued. Right. So he was lucky that somebody saw him fall and was able to call, um, you know, like whoever. National Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, but like what I guess what bothers me about this is that it's like it's something unnecessary that happened that, you know, with signs posted and all that stuff saying don't cross here, don't do this, don't do that. You still did it. And then you cost the state of Hawaii money. Right. Because that's really, you know, because then there were rescue crew. There was more than one rescue crew. He had to be airlifted out. And it was windy, know? so they had a hard time getting him out of there. Exactly. So to me... They had to they had to rappel down the side of this mountain to get him. Yeah. You know? So that's the thing where this is just kind of stupid. It, it, I mean, it's utter stupidity. Because, like, me, if I, see an, if I see a thing and it says, do not go over this, I'm going to stand 100 feet away from the limit. Because, like, I don't want to fall over. I don't want to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even step near the edge of the train platform until I can see the train pulling into the station. Right. Like, no, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. But, I mean, he's okay. Yeah, he survived. That was the, to me, that was the most remarkable part of the whole story. This had been me. Growing up, my grandmother would tell me, like, um, uh, you know, like, I don't know how you translate it, like, properly, but it's basically like, if you fall, I'm going to hit you on top of that fall. You know, <laughs> like, just for being stupid, because I'm telling you not to do that. Right. And that's what, somebody should just, like, walloped him when they brought him up, like, stupid, though. Yeah. But yeah, that's what he just, needed. It's just stupid. Well, speaking of stupid, uh, I've got a story about a man who just can't stop masturbating in front of horses. It just he can't stop doing it. Um, and uh, I don't I, I mean, I didn't know uh, that they were working on a sequel to Equus, but it's uh, it's pretty, pretty dark, if you ask me. Uh, but so uh, a man named Malcolm Downs, who is 61. Uh, was planning to see his doctor for libido-suppressing drugs, but instead went to a field after being freed from prison. Uh, and in that field, he was feeling sexy. So, uh, you know, as as he was quoted, uh, he said, so I started to dot, 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 you know, he... Uh, He's, he'd, he'd been he'd been in prison, so I'm sure he probably didn't have time to be, you know, jerking off to horses while he was in prison. Uh, I don't I don't think I'm, I'm sure he was in a prison that didn't have any horses. Maybe I would, had some I would have horse, much. you know. Um, can you clear something up for me since you you know everything? Where is I do? where is Hull? Oh, it's in the UK. Oh, That's oh, all oh, I know. oh, yeah. OK, great. Um, so uh, someone someone spotted him and they thought he was urinating. I mean, <laughs> he must have been working really hard to get that pee out. Well, yeah, you got to pump that hose. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, it just the the thing about okay, so the thing about this story is that he has um, he has like a, a social disorder that makes him want to masturbate in front of horses. So he's aware that he has a problem. Um, to me, this problem sort of falls into a little bit of a gray area because it's like he's not doing anything to the animals but like i don't know it's just like how do you how do you how do you put a lid on this pot do you know what i mean how exactly do you put a lid i mean i don't even know because like i'm sure that they would have said if there was like uh you know some rules or something against jerking off in front of animals because of like um 
animal abuse or something. I just think it's it's like uh, when we were having this conversation when we first picked the story, you're like, well, it's indecent exposure. And I'm like, okay. That's probably, I'm, I'm yeah, just saying that's I'm, probably I'm why sure he was arrested. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like, it's risk-taking behavior. It, he's not really hurting anybody. I mean, I don't know how the horses feel about this, but I, like, if it were me... <laughs> And I had a compulsion to jerk off in front of horses. I mean, he's lucky he's in a part of the world where there are horses. Well, you know, like it's in the countryside of of, 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 of a place in, in the UK. So, you know, it's more rural. So, you know, horses are easier to come by. Um, wow. If you or I, you know, wanted to jerk off to, you know, um, Mr. Ed, we'd have to like probably go to New Jersey or upstate or something like it's a long way to go. Wait, but you don't realize what you just said. What did I say? It's a lot easier for horses to come by <laughs> oh <laughs> that's what he wanted he wanted he went to he come wanted, by a horse he wanted to come by oh hey um i even more remarkable <sighs> is so he was freed from prison and then he was arrested again for the same thing like it was twice in one day twice in it? one day yeah. i mean you know he didn't get to finish and you know how much it's not fun oh when my you don't God. get to finish i just think it's so like okay if I had this compulsion, yes. right, or if you had this compulsion, wouldn't you say, because I don't know if it's necessarily that he also wants other people to see him, like it's not clear, mm-hmm. but wouldn't, I I would like, you know, like find a way to have like private time in front of the horse, you know, like where I wouldn't be disturbed so I can indulge in my compulsion. I'm pretty sure they have Mr. Ed on Amazon Prime. And yeah, he could just be watching reruns and I Jesus Christ. He wants to be, I mean, again, I could not find any more than this about this man. So the, the like parameters of how he likes to do this are not terribly clear. It's just he likes to, you know, yank it to horses. So I, I'm, I'm interested in the parameters. What are, what are the parameters? When, where, what? Is it a, you know, like a, a spotted horse, a black horse, a white horse, a brown horse? A young horse, horse, an old horse? Yeah, a girl horse, boy horse, a Shetland pony. You know, a mini horse, like, I mean, you know. Long mane, short mane, yeah, long tail, braided. braided. Um, <laughs> a Clyde. Going, would, would going to Central Park be triggering for him, you know, with all those horses? Right? I mean. You never know. You know how they say, like, you, you know, you just get a boner from, like, the wind blowing? Do you think he just hears, and it's like. <sighs> yeah, there's, a, there's just the galloping. The sound oh of God. the gallop. He couldn't go to that like that Madonna concert from all those years ago. Yeah, He'd be, true. you know, pointing north. Yeah. Um, I mean, it it does kind of suck that this guy has this compulsion that's obviously getting him into trouble that he right. can't manage. But there is this just it's just so and it it's really funny. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know? Um I don't there, know. I wonder if a standee would work. Is that what they call them, right? Those those a, like the cutouts? Don't they call Maybe. them standees? I don't see why not. I mean, if you can masturbate to pornography and pornography is a, like a visual of the real thing, why not? Right? Why not just get a big, like a big fucking sea biscuit poster and just like, just pull the page. Just like, just, just have like, um, what do they call that? A tribute party? Or you oh. just fucking, you jerk off and you just all over the fucking poster. That sounds like, a, that sounds like a great time. Next. <laughs> you I'm, you have our last story. I know. You just like. You need a palate cleanser? I, Jesus. Because I think this next story is just what okay. you're looking for. <laughs> so 
All right. So I have to say, this is it is kind of serious. It's very serious. It, it is very very serious, but it's not the serious thing that is the you know news that makes you go hmm. So this man in Iowa last year, in August of last year, spilled gravy on his laptop. Hmm. Took it. Brown gravy, mushroom gravy. I mean. I'm all about the details. And I'm I want to smell I'm looking the at his photo, and it just makes it sadder. But anyway, so this man... Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to start this thing. Okay. This man from Iowa spilled gravy on his laptop. Got it. Okay. Took it to Best Buy, bought a new laptop, and then entrusted both to the Geek Squad to transfer his files from the fucked up computer to the new one. Right. In the course of... Uh, you know, conducting the file transfer process, the Geek Squad employee saw several images that they assumed to be child porn. Right. And so what they did was they let the, you know, they were like, okay, well, you know, this is a computer we're going to have to flag and like look at, you know, once the transfer's done. Because also having, having, thought that he saw these images he didn't want to you know risk the the gravy computer like dying completely before the transfer could complete so anyway right they let it complete and then they turned in both to the authorities because actually it's by law if you you know if if you find um child porn on somebody's computer specifically if like you know you work for some place like best buy or performing a service you actually have to turn this stuff in i wonder if that's something they go over in training yes they do because apparently the geek squad actually um encounters let's see here so this is not the first time no the geek squad has encountered about a hundred on average about a hundred instances of uh people having Jesus Christ. They People having child pornography on their computer. Yeah. yeah. During this exact wow. same, like either transferring or fixing it because they just have to, you know, conduct routine uh, diagnostic tests that just, you know, basically do a whole rundown of the computer. Right. So, so this was last year. Right. And so he, he was just like formally arrested for it after all this time because they're able to go through everything. Wow. And, Oddly enough, you know, they they confronted him about it. He didn't deny it. He didn't deny what, you know, he was hoarding these images for. He even described a handful of the images in graphic detail. Mm -hmm. So it's not even something that he was... yeah, he wasn't ashamed about no. it. And I think he they, they questioned him and he confirmed that he was the only user of the computer mm-hmm. and that he downloaded the images because he wanted to show them to people. Which... Which is like, what What yeah. does that even mean? Wait, and, and like the story's still developing. Again, it's been, it'll be almost a year quite soon. So I don't know what happened in the interim. Um, to me, it sounds like he found them and he was like, I want to save them because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them to people and I'm going to end this. And it's like, no. No, that's not I, I don't think works. that's what it was. Because he no. also, uh, uh, another um, more detailed um, account of what happened uh noted that they were categorized yeah by age yeah so i really don't again without having any other information i don't i don't think that this was a matter of him like using them as evidence i think he was just he's a you know somebody who consumes child pornography which in and of itself like that is i think totally unacceptable and immoral and you know we all know why like it's not um we we both feel that yeah we both feel that way and so um it's it's obvious why consuming child pornography is just not 
not okay on any level. Um, but again, it's like, why are like, did you not think they were going to find this? Being that, I don't know. I I I just don't get it. I like, really don't. I get consume it. regular ass porn, regular right. ass gay porn, and before I would take my, I would just put it on something separate. Right. Like I'm not afraid that I'm going to get in trouble for it because I won't. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to like subject somebody who may not want to look at porn to look at porn on my computer. And I'm doing something completely legal now. Right. If I'm doing something illegal. Like me, who was uh, pirating music for years, and whenever, so whenever something would go wrong with my iPod, or more recently, my iPhone, um, I was nervous to take it in to, like, to Apple, because I was like, they're going to know, they're going to know, they're going to know that I illegally downloaded, I don't know, uh, Gwen Stefani's uh, The Sweet Escape album, I don't know, Uh, but it just... It would make me ner- that like little tiny thing would make me nervous. Kitty porn is on a whole different level. Like this person, it's like you heard of the dark web. This is the dim web. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. And this Yikes. is in no way a guide on how to hide your no. porn. No, just, I'm just stating how stupid this individual is. Yeah, because this is stupid. And then to give a reason, just stop talking. Just. There's no reason. There's no reason ever to have kitty porn. Ever, 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 ever. Yeah. Yikes. Um, so we we have a sort a sort of serious story to end it on, and we we don't. This is not a story we're trying to make fun of at all. We just thought it was a very interesting concept. Uh, so in the UK, they have been distributing uh, chemsex survival kits. That include color-coded syringes, condoms, lube, uh, a G-timer, and a bust card, which is a booklet that uh, tells you what your rights are in the event that you get arrested. Um, And um, I don't know, I just thought this was interesting because as a country that, you know, a lot of the debate in this country, uh, now that we're looking toward the next election cycle is uh it's about legalizing marijuana mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of you know we we talk about it all the time we don't we don't see marijuana as a drug necessarily it's more like medicine um there are the there has have been these movements in uh in parts of europe where they have legalized all drugs basically so from you know marijuana to cocaine to mm-hmm. um you know i don't i don't I don't know about drugs. I'm very like... I read a story the other day where I forget what state is moving to, in in this country, to also legalize the recreational use of um, psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. I think. Because they see uh, see, uh, benefits in in microdosing. Yeah, exactly. Um, So... I think that this that these chemsex survival kits I think are are really smart. It's a lot like uh where was it that it was somewhere that they would have um they had places for uh for people or for heroin users like a, to go a needle exchange basically. A needle exchange but they also had um they had like safe spaces where they could go and and get high. Oh yeah. Where there were like there was a medical team because they they're they're. I feel like it's in the U.S. somewhere, it, but I it's can't remember. Definitely in the U.S. Yeah. I want to say it's on the West Coast. Um, and it, it makes more sense if you're going to use these drugs anyway. You might as well be safe about it so that you don't end up overdosing, mm-hmm. and so that you don't end up spreading STDs or you know like all of 
all of these other because because this is a um, like a high risk behavior, yeah. there are other things that come along with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's smart that you know the um, the group who's doing this is called the Gay Men's Collective, and they've been they were launched in 2014. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they were launched or if these chemsex survival kits were launched well, in they, 2014. They launched the whole thing in 2014, and so the I mean, and, and over the past four year four or five years rather, they've um, sold a couple of thousand of them, um, and their whole goal, like, and again, this and is they, not an endorsement of they, chemsex because well, it is quite risky. Right, right. But what they did was that they they spoke to people who had participated in chemsex, drug addiction experts, um, y- you know, health experts within the the LGBTQ uh, plus community. Um, like they did their research, and yes, I'm, from the outset, even I was like, this is like ridiculous. It's you know, promoting chemsex and that's really risky. But when you really look look at it, it's one of those things where like if you're going to engage in risky behavior, like Robert said, you should educate yourself fully Absolutely. on all of the risks involved and how to uh, mediate those risks or make it as 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 um, oh, God, what is it? You know, as as uh, as safe as possible so right. you know the kids come with color co- color coded syringes so like everybody gets their own color right you know so they're not you know using the same syringe so or accidentally i mean it is especially in a world where uh where prep is being it, it prep is something that people are using all over to um to make you know to make sex safer and i feel like a lot of people are not using other methods of uh, of like protection mm-hmm. when they have sex because they're on prep. Yeah. So in a world where we have that, what's wrong with this? Mm-hmm. That's my point. I, you know, chem sex is not something I I have a complete fear of anything other than marijuana. Yeah. Like I just I don't I don't want to touch it and I don't want anything to do with it because I'm afraid of it. Um. So I don't need to have an opinion about chem sex. Because I, it's, I already understand it's not for me. But my point is that th- I think this is essential to being a responsible, you know, person who does chemsex. I don't know. Like, my first thought was like, if George Michael had one of these kits, he'd probably still be alive. Mm-hmm. Because he was someone who participated in chemsex. Yeah. And, you know, and, and probably because of his status and, um, and, uh, and probably partly because of you know the embarrassment he didn't want to seek medical attention or whoever was with him didn't want to seek medical mm-hmm. attention because they they probably feared th- there would be some kind of backlash whether them being arrested or whatever so you know i just i think about that and and people are going to participate in risky behavior anyway so you might as well help them not die in the process you know what i mean yeah it's not it, it's, it's i don't i i mean i i you know I don't think any studies have been done on how these kits may have increased chemsex, but it's not going away. And actually it's on the rise, oddly mm-hmm. enough, because of, you know, I, I think people are under the, uh, the misconception that like, just because things become more sophisticated and more legal or whatever, that the risks are not there. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, forget about, you know, contracting an STI or something like that. You're also opening yourself up to, to overdosing, to, you know, mixing things improperly, you know, it's, um, like, at the end of the day, these are controlled substances for a reason. Yeah. And 
you know, you have to kind of almost be like a scientist, I think, when it comes to these things to understand how to dose yourself properly. And, you know, we've all heard the stories of people dying. I mean, George Michael died, like you said, of of something like this, because it's not, um, again, if you just give give it the respect it deserves if you are going to participate in chem sex, because, you know, you're playing scientist on your own body. Yeah. And it could go really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that goes with um, drug use in general. Mm-hmm. You should you should be safe, but you know, taking it a step further because there are so many additional variables when you are doing drugs and then uh, having you know not only risky uh, behavior in terms of the drug, but also mm-hmm. in risky behavior in terms of your sexual acts under the influence. I think this is. I thought this was important to share mm-hmm. with with everyone. Absolutely. Um, and if you are in the UK, you can order a kit, and most likely we'll get it the next day. That's how fast the shipping mm-hmm. is. So, um, it's it's important. And you know, if I mean, in my Pollyanna mind, I hope that a chem sex kit will you know lead to sobriety. But that's again, like I said earlier, I don't have an opinion about it because it's not for me. I already understand that. Mm-hmm. So don't you know? No shame in. And using something that'll not kill you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just... Not at all. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and do our one-minute drag race review, our keto corner, and I'm so excited. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. And they're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper gives you an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Latex and memory foam come together for a life well slept. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free shipping and painless returns. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting caspertrial.com kiki and using promo code 50sleep. That's promo code 50sleep. Terms and conditions apply. We're back. And before we get into our three, you know, usuals, um, I actually, I, I remembered a song today um, that I played for Daniel. And it's, it's kind of a thing that I do. Is that like, I'll think of a random song that doesn't hold up, basically. That's like the point of this. And then I'll play it for him. And he just is like standing there listening with his jaw on the floor. And I thought it would be a fun segment for the podcast. Um, so I'm I'm asking you listeners um, what you think of this. And it would basically be like cringy music that doesn't hold up. I mean, we'll, we'll probably come up with a less clunky name for it. Um, but the song, <laughs> the song that was the um, the example uh, was Dear Ben by Jennifer Lopez. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. Um, so on her album, This Is Me Then, which is, um, which is, uh, it's a thing that we quote a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll, I will look at Daniel and, and I'll just, it, you know, as a, as a way of being like, don't judge me. I'll be like, this is me then. Um, <laughs> I, I was saying that to him this morning about, or maybe he, you were saying it to me. I forget what it was. Um, but I immediately thought of the song, Dear Ben, and how she wrote this whole love letter and like, I'll never leave you and 
all this it just it doesn't hold up and it was a um a letter that jennifer lopez wrote to ben affleck when they were dating uh back in the early 2000s i want to say to me my lust my love my man my child my friend and my king my child yikes it's a bit strange i i'm i'm um i love you you're perfect it's like now change (sighs) this is like those tattoos that people get Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Like, I love you, Robert. I am never getting your name tattooed anywhere on my body. I, I just thought you were going like, to say you were never going to write me a love song. I mean, do you really want me? You, you know, news that makes you go, hmm. Let's see what it see is. That. People already see how I sing. They don't need to see how I write a song. I want to hear that. No. I would like to see that. No. <laughs> You're mine. I love you. <laughs> Forever and ever. Mm. Happy birthday. Yeah. Love, Daniel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Part of what makes the song fun or what made it even more uh, interesting was that we fell down a J-Lo rabbit hole recently and we found this video on YouTube. Yes, that was bizarre. Where this YouTuber is essentially exposing uh, J-Lo as um, having ghost singers, which you've heard of ghost writers. um, And those are people who basically write the lyrics for different songs um but that j-lo has actually used ghost singers uh and she's gone from using unknown names to people like ashanti amory um oh who was the other there was somebody else wasn't sierra one of them sierra was not no not that i remember um but they interviewed ashanti about it and she she said you know those are my vocals on the final track um so I thought that was very interesting. And so Daniel took it a step further and was like, can you imagine an old white man writing oh my God. a love letter to Ben Affleck from the perspective of Jennifer I, Lopez? I personally think this was written by Bruce Lynch. <laughs> because in my mind, Bruce Lynch writing J-Lo's music is really funny. I, I mean, I like, don't, I don't see how he could. I mean, he could probably make it funnier than it already is. But the no, just because because it, it's bad. That's it. He's making it bad on purpose. <laughs> right, right, right. That's but it's what like I mean. you know, I and I, I don't know why I have this um this this image in my mind when it comes to like pop music that's been manufactured and and I love J Lo. You know I do. But you know I do. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I mean, you call her my cousin after all, but. It's just in my mind the the like the people who write these like really weird pop songs are all like middle aged like greasy looking white men in cheap suits or really expensive looks that the uh, suits that look cheap like they have a you know like a like a, a RuPaul's Drag Race season four magnet set of of like words I think you know. I don't know if you're doing this, but when you imagine the um, the person, like the writer behind the song, I feel like you're imagining um, Lou Lou Pearlman, the guy who created In Sync. Well, that's exactly where that comes from. Okay, like, literally because so it's when coming I, from the same place. Yeah, when yeah. I when I um, I mean, when I first found out who Lou Pearlman was, like you know, whenever ages ago, I was yeah. like, oh, this like old white man is right because he also wrote songs for them right yes or like i'm like i want to say he was their manager he was and isn't there like a documentary or something that just came out yeah about this on youtube which apparently is like scandalous um but but that's what i picture and i'm like how could you like 
write these songs for like teenagers or like Britney Spears' songs, you know, when she was like, hit me baby one more time. Like, I don't know why it just, it it's a very strange, like once, once that, uh, that veil f- was lifted for me, mm. it's like when I found out that not all, um, like very few singers are singing live when yeah. they sing at a concert. Like, Yeah. It was it was like, you know, Santa Claus isn't real. For the most part, when a singer is singing live, you know. Mm-hmm. You can hear them breathing and yeah. stuff. We sure knew that Mariah was singing live at uh, the Billboard Music Awards. Ooh. But anyway. I don't want to talk about that. Um, so there were three <laughs> writers on Dear Ben. Three? Three. Yes. So J-Lo has top billing, followed by someone. Oh, I, I think she had top billing. Hold on. Let me just confirm that. Yeah. So she has top billing. Followed by a man named Corey Rooney, or better known as Mark Corey Rooney, um, who has written for Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige, Jessica Simpson, Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, Thalia, Michael Jackson, and Destiny's Child. And this man is, uh, they they don't know his exact age, but he's somewhere in his uh, late uh, 40s. Um, And he is from Jamaica, Queens. So that's him. And then the other writer is... Did I lose it? Oh, is it a man named Bernard Edwards Jr.? Um, I think these are actually two people of color. Uh, there it wasn't Cor- a photo. Corey Rooney is a man is a person of color. Okay, so and this guy's uh, Bernard Edwards Jr. is professionally known as Focus. So, um, and he Ariana is from Grande's Manhattan. Focus. Yes, he is Ariana Grande's Focus. He is, no, he um, he's an African American man as well. Yes, there's a picture of him here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he um, he is produced for Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, Rick Ross, John Legend, The Game. Um, moving down even further, Christina Aguilera, Beyonce, Lil Wayne, Amory, uh, Christina Milian. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. so many names in here. I think Christina Milian was the other name that they mentioned in that video. Oh that, yes, that, that, that some of her they were demo vocals. I also didn't know that like vocals, yeah. famous singers did demo vocals that like were then shopped like the demo was then shopped around to other artists yeah that's uh i didn't know sia, that sia came out with a whole album that were it was all demos that were shopped around to people like adele rihanna but she wrote those like i it doesn't surprise me that like sia would do demos for the songs that she writes I'm talking about, but she is, but she was a like a behind the scenes person mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and you know she had a bunch of really great shit that she wanted us to uh, to enjoy. I want to say Chandelier was one of them. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't oh have God. that, you know. Can you imagine if Britney Spears had um, done Telephone? Ooh. Have you heard the demo version? Oh, I have. Because there's a woman, I think her name is Myra, I forget her last name, but she works with RuPaul a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she recorded the demo of Telephone as Britney, because she can do a really good, <laughs> she does a really yeah. good, huh. and uh, yeah, and so but late, there's Lady a version Gaga of Lady wrote Telephone. Like, she wrote it for Britney, didn't she? But there's a recording of it. No, I, I was just, I just wanted to confirm that I wasn't wrong. I don't know. Oh, okay. I honestly don't know. I don't remember. Um, I would also, I, I would love if I could ever meet Beyonce, I would, I would like to know why, um, like with Beyonce uh, (laughs) making these like, uh, petty shirts, which I live for. I think it's genius. Um, I would love for her to make a shirt that says, uh, why, um, why have you and Lady Gaga never performed telephone live? Cause I want to know the answer to that question. Um, let's move on. Mm. It is time for our one minute drag race review. 
Before we get started, I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you okay with us sharing a minute? Because I really don't have a lot to say. I'm just, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Should I start the timer? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have a I have another timer running because I'm timing the segment. Oh. Whoops. So you have to do the timer. And go. So uh, Vanessa Vanjie Mateo is the Sanjaya of Drag Race. That's all mm. I have to add. Mm-hmm. Justice for Sugar. Yes, there I agree. Literally, I, I, I see why she lost the lip sync. I do not understand why she was in the bottom. Silky needed to be there. I thought the lip sync wasn't clear enough to me. I thought that they were both doing really well, but I thought that Vanjie getting messy the way she did, that took away from it. See, I didn't, I, I, I liked it. I feel like Suga's robe, (laughs) like, was very (laughs) heavy and, like, encumbered her. But I think her magic trick, show was fun that whole everybody on that group should have been safe yes i agree like this is some 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 rigonometry yeah right here and i think that her robe her oh we oh yeah oh, oh my god that robe was like um, that might have been why yeah. yeah and anyway and you know what it's another version of the same thing let's get more creative with these main challenges mm. the end we did it <laughs> Woo. we almost started a whole new recap anyway. i know right so on this week's Keto Corner, I'm in the corner. Mm. Put baby in a corner. Um, so I basically just have to say that we tried the most amazing keto bagel recipe this weekend. Uh-huh. Like, guys, mm. you don't know. You just don't know. Game changer. It is mozzarella, f- super fine almond flour, and like baking powder. Like it's very simple. And um, eggs and butter. Yeah, mm. we'll include the 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 link to the recipe in the show notes. Um, but it, it, it tastes like bread. It toasts like bread. Like you can retoast it. I put butter on it. I made a little cheese sandwich afterwards. We had it with, uh, cream cheese and lox for breakfast. We sure did. Um, I'm very excited. I want to turn it into muffins. I want to turn it into more bagels. I want to do all sorts of stuff with yeah. this bagel recipe because it's brought that it's, it, it tastes like bread. Yeah. Like it has the network of little holes. It's crispy. It's phenomenal. To me, it was less, it was less like a bagel and more like a, a um, a biscuit. Yeah. Like a, like a Southern, you know, cause it's a little crumbling. Right. Like it, it you know, it has that texture, but they're also baked. And, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly, bagels are normally you, you boil, you boil them, them and then you bake them. Yeah. To, to like create the skin. Yeah. On the outside and then keep it, um, it was also Moist. it was also a lot less work than making actual because we've actually we've actually made bagels yep. the regular way with like yeast and all mm-hmm. that stuff and this is so much easier. They were really delicious. I they have were. to say, I like you could not tell me that that wasn't some sort of like gluten based bread. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, so now it's time for I'm so excited. I'm so So this week on I'm So Excited, I um, I want to recommend a new podcast that I started listening to. Um, it's called Medium Popcorn. 
And um, and so what Medium Popcorn does is they watch a movie and they basically dissect the entire plot of the movie and spoil it for you. And and then they rate it uh, based on uh, their their rating system is like based on sizes of popcorn unless they don't like the movie. And then they they pile it with dog shit. So they just throw piles and piles of dog shit on top of it. And so I've had a really good time listening to it. Um, one of the things that sort of worries me about listening to uh, like a movie review based podcast, because I, I, I've i listened to a couple different ones, um, is that if you don't listen, like if you haven't seen the movie, obviously you can't follow along. Um, but aside from that, uh, the two hosts are really great. They actually, I was listening to their recap of of Us, of the movie Us, and there is a really sweet moment where uh, the one host was saying that um, they they feel like they're sort of like corny, and they tell all of these like corny jokes, and um, and so. Uh, there is there was a lot of there was a lot of similarities in Winston Duke's character in Us, and the guy was basically like, I had a hard time appreciating his character because I kept thinking about myself and why I'm like that. And the other host was like, he was basically like, don't judge yourself, you're a little corny, and that's okay. And it was it was just a rare. It's as a, as a, as a gay man who grew up trying to repel toxic masculinity in a way. I enjoyed seeing this moment of tenderness between two straight men because I feel like it's very rare. And so I, I really appreciated that. And I think that you should all go show them some love. Um, Medium podcast is it's, you know, it's on all the usual places. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify. Um, and uh, they're, I, th- I want to say their, uh, their social media handle is MP podcast. So Please go check them out. I highly recommend their episode about Save the Last Dance uh, because I listened to it and I felt so nostalgic just like hearing them talk about it that I went back and watched it. And I, I, you know, I love that movie in all of its problematic glory. So, you know, um, it's a but it's a great episode. So um, and a great podcast. So please check them out. Daniel, do you have anything to add? No. No? No, I'm so we're done? generally underwhelmed this week. Wow. No. <laughs> Yikes. Um, well, we're Grizzly Just Kiki kidding. on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so be sure to follow us there. Yes. You can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com, and maybe we'll read yours on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. So until next time. Bye. bye.